All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We are here with Josh Valdez. He is working with uh, Native Americans in Farmington, New Mexico, and we're just continuing our series where we are talking to North American Mission Board missionaries and church planters to find out how we can better help them and to kind of give you guys an insight into their lives. So, Josh, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Josh, uh, by now, um, uh, some of the folks uh, with Genesis and that's connected with Genesis or the church we pastor here, uh, they've already seen your video uh, from now. And, uh, and so what we're going to really do today for them is just kind of dive a little bit deeper because, you know, the, the now video is like two minutes long, you know. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I know that they can only put so much into it. And so, uh, first of all, uh, if you don't mind, just kind of walk us through your personal journey of becoming a believer and just kind of give us a, a short version of that. Yeah. So I grew up uh, my, here in a Christian home. Uh, Baptist Church here in Farmington. Um, my parents, however, did not grow up in, in a Christian home. Um, so my dad grew up in a, in a Catholic home, um, was not a believer. My mom, she she grew up on the reservation. She's uh, Navajo. My dad's Hispanic. And uh, my mom, my mom's uh, m mom became a Christian. And so she had my mom enrolled in a Christian school. And my mom became a Christian and married my dad. He wasn't a believer. Um, my mom wasn't walking with the Lord. And when they had me, my mom decided it was, it was time, you know, I, she needed to get back to church. Uh, she wanted her son to be raised in church. And so she just picked the closest, you know, she didn't have any discernment or anything like that. Not, wasn't thinking on, on the, in those categories, just picked the closest church to her right down the street. And it's a Grace Baptist church here in Farmington. And so that's, that's home for me. That's the church I grew up in. And uh, it was there I heard, heard the gospel in Sunday school as a little kid and uh, made a profession of faith and um, was saved. And this is that same church. My dad got saved. Uh, my, mom, my mom's walk with the Lord really grew. And uh, all throughout my teen years, I really struggled with whether or not I was a, a believer. Um, it, it's just something that I think probably afflicts a lot of, a lot of teens that grow up in Christian homes. And uh, so I read um, The Gospel According to Jesus by John MacArthur, and that book really helped me kind of piece together um, a soteriology, which even at a young, at, at a teenage level, um, I could understand. And I saw, okay, well, th this, this desire to be saved is an indication that I'm actually regenerate as opposed to, you know, if I wasn't, I just wouldn't care. So, uh, so that I got that settled in my later teen years. Um, vital to, to my own spiritual growth was reading the Bible for my own, where my faith became my own and my Christianity became my own. I, I remember I was on a long uh, bus trip uh, coming back from camp and uh, I was reading through Romans and uh, in one sitting, that's the first time I'd ever done it, where I read an entire book of the Bible just in one sitting from the beginning to the end. And I remember Romans was just answering all of these questions that I had struggled with and I thought through and just boom, 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 boom. And, and for that, that really just kind of um, created a, a taste and appetite for the scripture. And so as I, uh, as I began to really read the Bible for myself, I just had this growing desire um, to go into to ministry. 
it wasn't um, anything exciting. There wasn't, you know, this breakdown on the side of the road where I yielded to God or whatever. It was just the just the desire to 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 pastor. And uh, my youth pastor, he gave me opportunities to preach, and uh, you know, help me out. I mean, I, I remember one of the first sermons I had preached was at a retirement home, and it was on the crucifixion of Christ. And uh, that's that probably wasn't appropriate. It was a very vivid type of deal, and uh, I, I always I just cringe when I think about how horrible that that it was. But uh, he, you know, through the local church, I was I was getting exposure to ministry. So I went off uh, went off to college in uh, Greenville, South Carolina, and um, went to Bob Jones University, got a bachelor's degree and a master of divinity, and uh, that's that's in some kind of the the journey as it were. So just out of curiosity, how did you come across as a teenager, the gospel according to Jesus by John MacArthur? I mean, that's, that's not a normal. Yeah. So, so both my pastor and my youth pastor, um, read John MacArthur and, uh, the first thing I had read of his, I was struggling. I can't even remember the issue. It's been so long. But I was struggling through thinking through some issue. And my youth pastor said, oh, there's this book called Fool's Gold by, that's edited by John MacArthur. Why don't you check it out and, and see what it what is about? And so that, that was my first taste, my first exposure to John MacArthur. Um, John MacArthur's uh, um, ministry um, resource, Grace to You, um, they have a book list. So you can sign up and you get a sermon every month and then occasionally a book offer for free. Well, if you're a teen, I mean, that's perfect. So I started listening to John MacArthur sermons through Grace to You, they would send me CDs and then the book offer. And then uh, that's how I got acquainted with Gospel According to Jesus, because um, as I just started to listen to this guy unfolding the word verse by verse, um, I thought to myself, man, this guy, this is this is biblical teaching. And, uh, and then obviously with an issue struggling with salvation, trying to get what the Bible says, you know, a full picture of, of, of salvation. That's how I got gospel according to Jesus. Yeah. The only reason I ask is because I remember when it came out, you know, I read it, you know, and there was controversy around it, you know, but, uh, and it's not like a, I don't call it a hard read, but it's not, it's not a, um, for most folks, it wouldn't be an easy read either, you know. Right, and and I'm I'm excited. What they did um, is they re-released a an abridged version just last year. Oh, uh, it's about this thick. It's called Only Jesus. So okay. it's it's the essential message just compressed right. for more, um, I guess, uh, user for for more more of a layperson. I guess you yeah. could say. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, okay, so. Um, in the video, the now video, um, you mentioned that that uh, your town has three distinct cultures. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned Navajo culture, the Hispanic culture, and the white culture. And so talk to us a little bit about the, you know, the opportunities and the challenges ministering in an area with those three cultures mingling with one another so just kind of flesh that out for us a little bit yeah so i do feel bad about the video because again like you said it's only two minute video and they compress so much so i don't want to sound um like one of these naive people who who as if 
all white people have the same culture. That's that's not true. Right. Um, people speak about you know whiteness. That's that's not at all what I what I was communicating. There are right. different you know different flavors, of course, just like there would be with Native Americans. You have different tribes. So, um, but you know you're just trying to trying to very briefly summarize kind of what it's like here. Um, yeah. So some of the some of the difficulties in in a you have a, a three different I guess kind of traditional um, worldviews, not worldviews, but but kind of ways of, I guess, which would be a worldview, looking at the world that that kind of meet. So that's not going to probably be as, as um, the, the differences are not going to be as far apart as the similarities are. Okay. That binding, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes so sense. So with both Hispanic and Native American cultures, especially Navajo culture, it's very family oriented. Um, so that's a huge commonality. It's 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 very centered around the family. You have uh, generations of families living together. Um, grandma, grandpa, they're they're living there with with their son and daughter, with their kids, um, and and that's in part why COVID was so hard, so so you know, ravaged the reservation because you have these multi-generational families living in such close proximity. Um, but some of the difficulties that would be, um, you have a lot of, um, with the His with Hispanics, you have a lot of Catholicism here. And with Native Americans, it's it's a, unfortunately among Navajos, it's, it's a dying culture, um, a dying language, a dying um, just an awareness of, of our own people's history and and tradition and um but there there are some remnants of navajo mysticism uh that that are still in play so you have these different ways of looking looking at the world i, I would not say there's a lot of you know there's a lot of conversation about race in the church right now um real honestly that's kind of foreign to me um and the reason why i say that is because i'm the product of, of a mixed marriage, you know, Hispanic and Navajo. And there is a lot of that here. I mean, it's not, it's not an issue. It really isn't. I mean, in the seventies, you had a, you had a, some racial tension here in Farmington, but it's not like it's pronounced or at least um, that's not my perception from, from what I can gather. So there's definitely a lot more harmony than there is, um, you know, a lot of, there's there's more harmony than there is division i would say especially with hispanics and natives because there's so many similarities namely uh family being so important now did i understand you correctly you referred you said to the reservation here i mean is farmington a reservation then is so you have um farmington it's in the northwest corner of new mexico um which is the four corners area you have utah colorado arizona and we're sitting like right on the edge of the navajo reservation so you just go a little bit west and you're going to go there's shiprock and there's the navajo nation that's going to have a little bit into utah but m predominantly it's new mexico and arizona so yeah it it, it it surrounds it surrounds Farmington, and uh, Farmington. As you know, it's it's a smaller city, but for the Four Corners area, it's it's the big city, and so people from small towns in Colorado, small towns in Utah, they're going to come here on weekends. Um, many people from the Navajo Reservation, they're they're coming here, and they're going to be here all weekend. They're going to stay. They're going to shop. They're going to go to Sam's, stay with their family members. So it it gets you know pretty busy on weekends. 
Right. Okay. Just, just out of curiosity. Okay. So I have a friend who is a worship pastor at a church in Roswell, New Mexico. How far are you from that? Roswell is uh, at the po- bottom part of the state. Okay. I would say probably about six or seven hours. Oh yeah. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> How, um, so, you know, you talked a little bit about, um, you know, those cultures and stuff. How do you, how do you handle the blending of, you know, I, I would say sometimes when we see that cross-culturalism, um, I grew up in South Carolina and you mentioned you went to college there. I grew up in the lower part of the state, but you know, even there we saw it with different um, as much as even different denominations, that blend of religions and that blend of denomination, that blend of spiritual ideas. How do you, how do you approach that when there's such a diverse community there? Yeah. So the the way you would approach uh, ministering the gospel in a diverse place like this would be, I would argue the same way you would approach gospel ministry in South Carolina or Missouri, which is you simply teach the gospel. The, the one as, as divided as our nation is and as culturally diverse as it is, the, the one thing that unites us all is that we're depraved, that we're sinners, that we're in need of redemption. And so, of course, your presentation is going to change from context to context, but the message never changes. And that's, you know, you're a sinner, you need to repent and you need to submit to Christ as Lord. And, and, and then you will experience forgiveness of your sins. Um, how it works in, in this area, um, you're going to have a lot of um, Mormon influence. You're going to have a lot of Jehovah's Witness influence, a lot of Catholicism here. Um, and so how you go about that is you, you still teach gospel, you still preach gospel, but you, you um, educate yourself in, in where those groups go wrong. So that way, when you're in conversation with these people and they ask, well, what would, what would make you different than me? I'm a Catholic or, well, you know, I'm, I'm a Mormon. I think we're all the same. Well, at that point, then, then you know enough that you can say, well, this is what the Book of Mormon says. This is what the Bible says, or um, this is what the Catholic Church teaches. And here's how it contradicts scripture. Um, but mo- but you, you you minister the same way you would you would anywhere, and because the the, the needs are universal, and it, and it transcends you know the law of God, in the heart transcends any cultural difference that that we may have. Um, so now you planted uh, the church that you currently pastor, right? Yes. Okay, and it's called Higher Ground, correct? Higher Ground. Yep. Yeah, higher ground, oh, ground. Okay, so talk to us a little bit about that. So, I mean, you know, you go off to school, <clears throat> and when did you decide to say, you know what, I'm going to come back, I'm going to start a church, and um, just kind of walk through that little journey and and how that all started for you and and how that's going. Yeah. So when I was in college, I took a a, a course on church planting uh, by a teacher named Dr. Bruce McAllister. And I, I loved it. Um, I, I took it not because I was necessarily thinking about church planning. I just needed to fill a ministry credit class and uh, that intrigued me. So I took it and I really loved Dr. McAllister's push. He basically was telling people they need to get out of Greenville. Greenville has enough churches. The Bible Belt has enough church, enough pastors. Go out West. There's a need, there's a need to, to get out there. And I appreciated that. Um, my intention was never to stay in the South. It was a great place, um, but there's there's a need here out west. So I always wanted to go back. Uh, I didn't quite think that that church planning would would be would be for me. I just I, I didn't think that's what my future would hold. 
So when I graduated, I, I got hired on at a church before I graduated. And um, there, there were some differences there theologically um, that became more pronounced as, as we went on. So we had to part ways. Um, but there was another ministry here in the church or in, in Farmington that theologically I was just, we were right on the same page. And we had for, during that whole time I was on staff at another church, we had been fostering a relationship. So when that, when that time of ministry came at the first church, they, they were like, Hey, listen, you know, we have been praying, um, that, that, that God would provide us with a leadership structure, leadership team to church plant. We want a church plant. We want a church plant here in Farmington. You know, what would you, what would you think about joining us in, in that endeavor? And, uh, I was just really, um, hurting, during that time and it was kind of a dark time and so um it it was a time where where these men pastored me these these pastors pastored me and really helped me through through doubts helped me through you know whatever i was struggling with and uh yeah and so that's that's how the church plant came about and uh that and and really i think that um that's the great the right way to do it they they sent me um, with a team. When I was there, uh, the church is called Grace Hill Church. When I was at Grace Hill, they had me preaching. They had me teaching. They had me going to the elders meetings every week. Um, they eventually gave me a small group and they told their congregation, this small group, if you, if you go to Joshua's small group, our intention is to kick you off the hill because they're, they're in the middle of Farmington up on a up on a mesa, like a little, and and so they're like, our, our intention is to kick you off the hill. You go off, you go with Josh to plant. And so um, they did that. They created a, a fund um, at the church. You can start giving towards the, the future church plant. And, uh, and so when I went out, I wasn't going out alone. I had a team of people around me. And that is so huge because church planting is, is, um, exhausting it's more than one person can do by by far and so i don't think i would have had any any i I think i would have gone out there and fallen flat on my face if i didn't have this team of people that grace hill sent out with me all right well genesis we're a church plant and we're we're about five years old and so um we uh we understand a little bit of what you're talking about there (laughs) And we had a and we had a group of people that you know uh, joined us and and helped us you know and it I tell you what having a group of people you know whether that's ten or whether that's you know fifty or a hundred you know it's just it really helps and uh, Chris what are you doing something got in my ear man <laughs> okay that's, that's not visible on the podcast just on the Facebook feed so okay but thank you for drawing attention to it yes yeah, uh, that's what I'm here for to draw attention to anything you do weird there, man yeah that's right um let's see here uh oh okay so now uh, if I if I heard in the video correctly or maybe it was the NAM website I, I can't remember where yeah. I got this, this information um so Okay, you are the lead pastor at Higher Ground, yeah. but you're also uh, described as you work at a school, and you're you're what's called an intervention specialist. Yeah. Okay, so what is that? Okay, so this job, literally, it, it all happened at the same time. The church plant, this job, uh, all of it. So there was a job opening, 
and my my mom she she does hair and someone from the school district i don't even know who it is uh she 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 was in my mom's shop and she said oh you know this this job that's that's coming up this new job it'd be great for josh you should have him look into it so i applied not really knowing what the job is and with the job description i wish i could read it to you because it was so ambiguous it didn't it didn't say anything <laughs> and so i ended up getting hired um i thought i, I thought i i thought i bombed the interview because i go into this interview and i don't know who these people are but there's like district you know high district level people in there principals all that and you know they're asking me all these questions and the first question they asked me was um what do you attribute high dropout rates in our in our you know in our district too and in our state because new mexico is is pretty pretty low um bottom five where i think we're always fighting with who is it louisiana for number yeah, 50 or 50 we're, we're down there um so very high dropout rates educationally just all, just in the bottom so that so they asked me you know where do you attribute that towards and i said well um sin because oh, i said i don't have the data i don't know the data but i would guess that many of the students who don't make it are coming from broken homes, um, coming from bad situations, drugs, alcohol. And if, if that's not right, of course, they're not going to graduate. Right. And, and then, that, when it, then the interview went on and, and they, you know, they asked me things like, well, what do we need to know about you? And I said, well, I'm a pastor, I'm in ministry. So you need to know I'm coming from a Christian worldview. Um, all of us have lenses through which we see the world. And I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say I have a natural or neutral perspective because you don't and I don't. I'm a Christian. I come from a Christian worldview. That's how I'm going to see things. That's how I'm going to deal with, with struggles, um, deal with issues. So you just need that's what you need to know about me before you hire me. So I left from there and I'm like, man, there's no chance that that I'm getting hired. Um, but then I got hired. And then after I got hired, I found out what the job was. And the job right now is a grant funded experiment. So there was a um, study done in Washington and they, they concluded, are you ready for this? This, this really, really um, big revelation. They, they, after this, con this, this study, they discovered that if a student has one person at the school who cares about them, doesn't matter if it's a teacher, principal, janitor, lunch lady, doesn't matter. One adult who cares about them and is invested in, in their life, their likelihood of graduating just skyrockets. So that's my job. Um, it literally is, has never been done in our district. We were one of two school districts in the entire country to be awarded this grant. And it was a build it up, build it as you go kind of program. So here at the school, I'm at this, I'm at the school right now. Here at the school, it, it, we have taken the approach of being very relationally driven. Um, so I'm not just monitoring their grades or their behavior. I'm getting to know them as as people, as individuals. You know, these are, you know, these are teens. They're they're young adults, and uh, unfortunately, I think our culture over the last, you know, sixty years has has pronounced created this. Um, this category, artificial category of adolescence, right? Where that didn't exist beforehand. I mean, people were getting married at such a young age. And, and so you have these teens who, who are trapped in this increasing um, juvenilization, but yet they're, they're, they wanna be adults. So at any rate, all that to say, I treat them as young adults, treat them as actual people. And, uh, and, and that's what I do. And so I'm monitoring grades, I'm monitoring um, attendance and I'm monitoring 
their behavior. But most of all, I'm, my role is really just to be a mentor for the youth, for at-risk youth, and, and it's awesome. You know what it sounds like? You get paid to care. I mean, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, it, it, I mean, that's, that's exactly sweet. right. I mean, that's yeah, exactly right. I give you. Know, like, it's like it's like you're saying. Well, I get to pay, I get paid to just to get to know students. I mean, you know. Yeah. That. So, how long does this grant go for you? I mean, I mean, you got job security for how long with this thing? So the grant goes until next year, and then we'll see at that point if the um, if the district will will pick it up. Okay. But I I um I know that at our school. It's hard to tell because COVID really, really messed things up and, and yeah. we really lost a year of data. Right. And so who knows how that's going to affect affect yeah. things. But I do know for a fact that after our first year with the at-risk, because there's a certain caseload that I'm given. So for, for those students, the the amount of office referrals for that for that caseload mm -hmm. from from the year before I came to my first year, it dropped by 50%, wow. the discipline referrals. Okay. And so uh, the principal that, that, that mm -hmm. told me that he attributed it to, to this position yeah. um, because instead of blowing up, they can go to Josh's office and, and talk through, talk uh, through things. Yeah. The, um, one of the organizations here is running with that. It was um, that study. I think Josh ship ran part of that. And it was the, every child is one caring adult away from a success story. And so they run this bright futures. I am one thing. And oh man, it is amazing. The difference that it makes um, pre COVID, you know, man, you're, you're speaking my language. Cause like when, uh, when COVID hit, we all of a sudden, I mean, we haven't been able to get into the schools for the last year and it's, I mean, it's changed things. But before that, I mean, we would go into schools and the teachers would stop us and be like, Hey, you're so-and-so's lunch buddy, or you're so-and-so's, you know, I'll go in and help them in their class. Yeah. I'm, I'm with that kid. You know, his behavior is better. His reading mm -hmm. is better. His comprehension is better. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it is all about, I mean, you can track that statistic all the way back to here's where this person started caring and their, their success rate just goes up and yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. It's that is crazy. Uh, just the power of influence of one individual. You know what I'm saying? That's just, it's just amazing how much we need people in our life who care about us, genuinely care about us. You know? Yeah. Um, so how are we doing on time, Chris? Uh, we're at about 25 minutes. Okay. Uh, okay. I did want to ask you about one thing. I think it was on your, I think actually on the church's website, I think. Yeah. I, I'm not sure where I got this. Uh, Okay, so you have your own podcast called Small Church Big Impact. Yeah. Do you still do that? Yeah. We haven't been able to record um, in, in a couple of months um, just because the, the the pastor I record with, he's the lead pastor of Grace Hill. Um, okay. He's been so hooked up with with count, just abnormal amount of counseling and, okay. and ministry that, that we haven't been able to record. But yeah, Small uh, Church Big Impact. And talk to us a little bit about that. What, what do y'all, what kind of stuff do you do on that podcast? What do you talk about? Yeah, so we have this, there's this idea, right, that in order to be effective for, for the spread of the kingdom, in order to be um, used by God to spread his gospel, that you need to be this big church with all of these resources, all of this money, all of these people, um, and, and that's just not true. So the idea is you can be a small church, you can be a church of 100 people, you can be a church of 50 people. And you can still be used by God powerfully to spread his kingdom. 
And so that's kind of the idea of the podcast. We just talk through uh, different different ministry issues. Um, it, it kind of the the podcast um, goes hand in hand in hand with a with this. Um, I would say it's it's a quarterly meeting of local churches here in our area from the four corners: Arizona, Utah, Colorado, and New Mexico, and who are theologically aligned. We get together quarterly we have a meal together and we just talk through different issues that that is that is going on and what that has done is and especially in here in the southwest you feel alone you feel isolated um you feel very discouraged i mean i, I you know back in greenville uh, the church i went to i went to several different churches during my time in in college you know but all of them were like 500 thousand people i mean that's just that's just not the case out west, or at least in the southwest, uh, you're looking at you know if you have a church of 200 people, that's that's big, and so we get together, all these small churches, and we we strategize, we um, share burdens, and and in fact, in fact, that we call it the gospel collective. Um, uh, I always think of the Borg when I when I hear that you know from Star Trek, <laughs> but the the gospel collective is is what it's called. <laughs> and actually, the, the relationships um, fostered there, it, the, the goal that they always talk about is they want to share resources for church planting. That's the big objective. Let's plant a church together. And the reality is Higher Ground Church came from that gospel collective mm. because that's how I really got to build relationships with the elders at Grace Hill was that was a starting point. And, you know, um, so so we're looking for in the future to continue to, to plant churches here in the Southwest sharing resources. But anyway, that podcast kind of ties into that. So small church, big impact. It's Tim Castillo, the lead pastor of Grace Hill, and then myself. And we just talk through different uh, various ministries, specifically um, if you're a smaller church, what are are some of the issues you're going to face as a pastor or ministry leader? And, you know, don't lose heart. Here's, here's why. Right. And they, and they have an episode. Are you ready for this, Jeff? What? They have an episode called Transitioning from Congregationalism to Eldership. Ooh. Yeah, we are an elder-led church here in um, Mexico, Missouri, and we know, I mean, the <laughs> the difficulties of getting that mindset shifted from, mm. well, we don't have a business meeting, whoa, we don't get to vote on things, and that, it's a bear. So, yeah, I will, I will say starting a church with elders is a whole lot easier than transitioning one, which I have done both (laughs) and so uh uh yeah because i I helped a church in alabama transition uh from congregational led to elder led and so uh and that was interesting all right (laughs) to say the least um but they did it i mean they finally got there you know but uh um all right so uh um let's see one other question i have for you is um all right, so let's say we have some folks that say, hey, man, I want to go out there and I want to help Josh for a week. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, like, when would be the best time? And what, what would they do if they want to do a little mission trip with you? You know what I'm saying? And Yeah, so definitely the summer is going to be when I'm going to be most available, you know, from uh, June through the first two weeks of August. Um, I won't be tied up here with the school. So, so the summer is always ideal. Um, things that could be done is we are, we, I, 
we really didn't get to talk too much about it in the in the video, um, but we really were we're located in in Farmington. We're on the west side of Farmington, up on a hill. So the name Higher Ground, literally, we are up on a mesa over the city. It's <laughs> literally Higher Ground, right. and so we're among the last streets of Farmington, like the city. And so right across the, the main road from us is a huge um, trailer park with thousands of people live over there. Okay. And so we are really, we said, you know, in God's providence, he placed us here. We, we, we don't have this idea that we're going to save the city or save the county. But what we can do is we can really invest our efforts into this neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And so we really have been focusing our, our evangelistic outreach to that area. Um, and so what it would look like is we want to do a vacation Bible school this summer. We did one uh, two years ago. We didn't, you know, we didn't announce it to the community. We didn't announce it on the radio because, you know, a lot of times, well, I don't know what it's like in Mexico, Missouri, but in Farmington, um, parents, Christian parents just kind of drop their kids off from church to church throughout the summer at Vacation Bible School, almost like babysitting, like free babysitting. So we didn't want it to be Same. a Christian, a Christian <laughs> yeah. daycare. We, not that there's anything wrong with that, but that just right. is not what we wanted to do. Right. And so we just focus on these guys. Let's just let this neighborhood know. So we had probably 50 or so kids come over. And um, so what we want to do, my, my dream is next is this summer to do a vacation Bible school, either at higher ground or more ideally, I would like to go to the trailer park. They have a big grass lot there. They have a building. I'd like to do it on site, on location. Um, there's a lot of kids that live there. Um, we really have an opportunity there that the management of that park, they had reached out to us last year and asked us literally to do Bible studies there, to evangelize there. The problem is, as a church plant, um, we have the same 10 to 15 people who do everything. And the prospect of doing a vacation Bible school, I think, is just beyond our ability at this time still. And I don't want to exhaust our core group because they literally are doing everything. And so I want to be mindful of them. So, so how can people help? I mean, that would be a huge, huge thing to have a team come out and, and do one. The, the one we did two summers ago, it, it happened because um, a, a church from New Jersey and a church from Albu the Albuquerque area, they both came over and, and helped us do that. Um, so that's, that's how that happened. All right. That sounds good. Well, Josh, thank you so much for hanging out with us and yeah. answering our questions. And, you know, the two minute videos that now put up this great, you know, for promotion on Sunday mornings, but you know, the, you, your willingness to just to meet with us and, and just share your heart about some things and get some details into the personal life and personal ministry, um, you know, makes it come a lot more alive for those yeah you know, who are able to hear your voice, see you and, and, and just hear your heart about some things. So we, we do appreciate you spending time with us. Yeah. Thank you for having me. One thing I did want to say is, um, Nam actually created, I'm not sure if you know this, they actually created two videos on our ministry. So the first is the short two minute, um, you know, Annie Armstrong, uh, promotion, but there's another one on the website and it's, um, it's specifically about the youth group and our youth ministry. Yeah, I did not and see that one. 
Okay. Yeah. So if you go to any the Annie Armstrong website, if you go uh, to resources, um, I think it's on the second page. Even okay. there's there's a there's a I think it's about four or five minute long high, video highlight talking about the youth ministry that really ties into what we talked about this morning yeah. with how the school really and the church kind of are are, help, are integrating somewhat. Well, that's interesting. When I was looking at uh, some of the videos, including yours, you know, it I was I was thinking, where are the longer videos? Because I know that they had done that in the past, yeah. and I guess I just didn't search far enough, you know. Yeah. And uh, they're usually right there together, you know, where I can, you know, I see your I see the two minute version, and then bam, there's the, you know, longer version. And uh, but got got to flip the page on the website. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. yeah. It's on the second. <laughs> Yeah, and I just, you know, I just discovered it like uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, okay. myself. That it's makes awesome. you feel better, okay? <laughs> well, again, thank you so much, man. Uh, I hope uh, everything goes well with you. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thank All you. Right.